Slavery, an ugly stain on our history, but it isn't all in the past. This weekend's Super Bowl in Los Angeles brought the spotlight back to sex trafficking. Slavery still exists today. It's just hidden, often in plain sight. Conventional wisdom is that there's an increase in human trafficking around the big game. People and money flow in from all over the United States and the world. At Los Angeles International Airport, there are trafficking awareness signs in the terminals. Officials are on the lookout. But it isn't just the Super Bowl. According to L.A. City Council President Nuri Martinez, on any given day, at least 10,000 people are being trafficked in the City of Angels. Some Christians from an older era would have called it people-stealing. And that's something we should stand against today. People are made in God's image. There are organizations near you helping liberate stolen people today. Pray for them and pray hurting hearts come to Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this Valentine's Day, we're starting a new series called Grace Unshackled. Stories of grace from history's past. For some, that might not sound too exciting. But when we think how the Lord Jesus uses Christians to stand for justice and appoint people to salvation in Christ alone, that perks your ears up, doesn't it? Well, today, we're going to talk with the director and writer for Radio Theater's production of Amazing Grace that tells the story of three men who were transformed by grace and used by the Lord to bring an end to the slave trade in England a couple of hundred years ago. John Newton Olauda Equiano, William Wilberforce. Three separate lives, three amazing journeys converge in history. Reverend Newton, you have a guest. Who is it? William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce? But these are not chance meetings. Three separate lives are brought together to be champions in their time. And you, Mr. Equiano, what is it that you do? I am about to embark on a new career as a writer and speaker. And of what will you write and speak? Of my life and experiences as a slave, Mr. Wilberforce. To stir the conscience of a nation. I mean not to accuse anyone, but to take the shame upon myself for having suffered this horrid business to be carried on under our authority. We are all guilty. For their generation and every generation that has followed, I wonder how I will fight. How this frail and feeble body will ever rise against a mountain of hatred, cruelty, and greed. The only way such things are ever done, William, by the grace of God. Three amazing stories, one amazing grace. A little preview from the radio theater audio production called Amazing Grace. In a moment, we're going to hear about the life of John Newton and how the grace of Jesus transformed his life from a slave trader to a pastor who stood against that evil practice. Stay with me. This story will inspire you. After the program, you might want to get a copy of this wonderful radio drama called Amazing Grace on five CDs. Our number to call after the program is 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us online. You can hear some samples from this radio drama. Our website is haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And now, let's open our program 
with Building 429, leading us in grace that is greater. Search me, O God, and know my every thought. Discern my every way and speak into my soul. Point out to me my wrongs. Convict me until I follow down the path that leads me to your will. Because my heart sometimes can wander. Grace Unshackled. I'm Charles Morris. Now, let's head over to Colorado Springs and meet up once again with the director and writer of Amazing Grace. We've had him on before to talk about his other productions about Narnia and C.S. Lewis at War. But I thought since this was Black History Month, this would be a great time to look at how Christians were used by the Lord to help bring an end to the slave trade. So, Paul McCusker, Welcome back again to Haven Today. Great to be with you. Thank you. In just a moment, we're going to look at the life of John Newton. But first, let me ask you why your production includes not only the life of John Newton, but William Wilberforce and a man named Aloda Equiano. Well, the reason we did the three stories the way we did, um, a lot of people may not remember. I hope they do. There was a film called Amazing Grace that was produced 
And we had a relationship with the production company because of our Chronicles of Narnia. And we said, well, why don't we actually tell the stories that the film doesn't have time to tell? They, the film had John Newton in it, but briefly as an older man, there are connections that are fascinating. So we decided that we would do a trilogy where we would touch these three key players in the abolition movement and how faith played into that through each life. And so we um, made the decision we would do John Newton first. We had a wonderful actor named Robert Lindsay who does everybody in England knows him. He's just done tons of things. He came in and just played uh, John Newton wonderfully. And then we surrounded him with this wonderful cast as we told his life. And then um, we connected that to uh, William Wilberforce because John Newton was a mentor, like godfather to William Wilberforce as a child. And uh, so we had Chris Larkin play uh, William Wilberforce. He's been in a lot of different things too. And, um, and it was fun because uh, in the studio, we actually had Robert Lindsay who played John Newton also play the scene where William Wilberforce goes to John Newton asking advice, if saying, can I be a Christian and a politician at the same time? So it's wonderful to have the continuity of, of, of Newton as a young man becoming an old man, but then have him connect then directly with, um, with, with Wilberforce. And then in the middle of that, of course, the key player was a lot Equiano and his slave and he was played by David Oyelowo, who is, by the way, a man of faith himself. And he played Martin Luther King in the film and has done lots of other things as well. Um, and David was wonderful, um, came in to play the part. And so we connect all three. So we have continuity of characters between the three dramas using the same voices and actors for those characters. So we can show this continuity over like a hundred year period almost um, and, and see how God is using them in specific ways to put together then this huge movement, the abolition movement that changed, well, English culture, and then ultimately would change the world. Thanks, Paul. Now let's turn our focus more to John Newton. Tell us about who he was before he met the Lord. He was born at 1725 in London. And um, to condense it a lot, it basically came from a seafaring family, his father, um, was in the Navy. And ultimately, John, who proved to be fairly rebellious as, as a young man, was pressed into service. He wound up serving in the Navy. Um, he was at odds with his father, sadly. But um, in the Navy at the time, what you were overlapping with was a, a very, well, a, a very aggressive um, slave industry. So John Newton went into it. And at the time, it was not a matter of conscience. I mean, it was just business and the view of, of the slaves, for example, um, there was a big argument about whether or not they even were human and whether they had souls and, and all of that done to, to justify, I suppose, the commerce. But for John Newton, he was interested in just a couple of things. And, and one was money. Uh, as a young man, he became, um, I suppose you could say it to become his God. Uh, he was not a man of faith, though he interacted with people of faith, but it was something he had dismissed. So he grows up in this way. He goes out to sea. He's out at sea for quite a long time. And uh, he had various brushes with people uh, who represented the faith to him, other sailors and other influencers, but just never took it serious. He was more interested in his career, how to make money, how to live well, how to live um, I guess, uh, according to the flesh, as some would have said at the time. and um, But it was an incident that 
kind of was a pivot point for him. And it was, it was remarkable that it, it had happened. So around 17, I think it was around 1748. So he would have been, uh, what would have been in his 20s. But he was actually a captain on board this ship. It was called the Greyhound. His ship gets caught in the storm. And it's, it's a terrible, it's a nightmarish kind of storm. And he, they're about to sink. I mean, I think he knows they're in huge trouble. And in this moment, he determines, he prays. He asks for God's help. A miracle. We made it to morning, sir. We must pray the worst is behind us. In a few days, we'll speak of this disaster over a glass of wine. Have you ever ridden a storm such as this? Many times. The entirety of my life has been a storm, Captain. That I believe, Newton. To whom do you ask for mercy in those storms? I believe I heard you mention God last night. I did. Yes, though I cannot explain why. In the space of many years, I've not spoken to him. You know, as the words leapt from my lips, I wondered, what mercy can there be for me, the greatest of all blasphemers and sinners? You are a Jonah Newton, running from God and sinking us along the way. Or starving us. Mm, what? All of our provisions were washed overboard. Little remains of rations, water or drink. Would you throw me overboard? <laughs> and lose my helmsman before the storm is utterly finished? No. At any cost... Before this is done, we may need to place you in the cooking pot. We shall see. This is Haven Today in a program called Grace Unshackled. That's an excerpt from Radio Theater's audio production called Amazing Grace. Paul, John Newton was scared to death on that ship, the Greyhound. How did the Lord ultimately use that to lead him to faith? I, I think it allowed for the seed to go deeper into the ground, so to speak, spiritually. Because it was after that he began to read his Bible. He began to read uh, a lot of the religious literature at the time. And, um, and, and that just let it embed in his, his heart. But it wasn't an immediate conversion. In fact, I think it's interesting to say, because this plays into the other characters, that fast conversions in, in, in the 1700s among what we would call evangelicals of the 1700s, fast conversions were considered um, suspicious emotional and suspicious like oh yeah you were emotional you made the decision but it doesn't stick and so he had time to really think and pray and begin to basically rethink his life his goals his direction but it wasn't immediate because even after his what we might call his conversion or his walk he uh continued to be a captain it it had not pricked his conscience that being a slave trader was something that he needed to give up immediately. Paul, let me just bring up here. Sure. He, he, uh, he was a captain of a slave ship for several more years after he stepped ashore after the shipwreck and acknowledged that God had saved him and had saved most of that crew. Um, and, and, and one other thing I think that you should mention to us as well, this was before slavery even really became an issue in what is now the United States of America, leading later to the American Civil War. That was later to come, wasn't it? Yes, that actually dovetails into William Wilberforce later. But the perception of slavery and how it was how it was used and its benefits outweighed any, the few people who even challenged, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. So it wasn't, as, it's interesting because after 
what we'd call his conversion. He kind of gave up the typical thing, smoking, drinking, gambling. I mean, all the, you know, uh, he was almost Baptist in, in that, you know, he kind of gave up all those obvious things, but continued to be captain of a slave ship. And it's because for years, that's all he knew anyway. Though in time, he began to think of the slaves as human and then moved into a more sympathetic position, which then opened the door for God to say, uh, now let's, you, you need to rethink this. And and of course, it's so hard for us to understand today mm-hmm. to think that Africans were considered chattel and right. for the use of those who were white, that one color of skin was superior to another. And of course, you know, we know the story of Newton. He later went on to become a pastor. He mm-hmm. was influenced by uh, by the Wesleys. He was influenced by the greatest evangelist probably in human history, George Whitfield. Mm-hmm. And then he even wrote that song, Amazing Grace, as well, uh, in only England. And it was used. And 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 in the path to become uh, initially uh, to, to get home, first he had to give up sailing, which is all he knew. But then he got home and then moved in the direction uh, of, of becoming a pastor. Um, and, and slowly, I didn't think he was worthy because by the time it caught up to him that his life as a slave trader was at odds with his Christianity, um, it pricked his conscience deeply. And, and there were periods where he just felt unworthy of the grace <laughs> and that, that he had received and yet he was embraced rough as he was around the edges, but they embraced him. And then, yeah, he wrote a lot of hymns and Amazing Grace being the most famous. I now look back upon my days as a slave trader and wonder how I did not start with horror at my own employment. I was as much in bondage to slavery as any of those poor creatures we shipped from Africa, though it was slavery of a different kind. It was slavery of sin that will not only kill the body in death, but will kill the soul to everlasting punishment. Yet, thanks be to God, there is victory over that slavery through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is also victory over the enslavement of human bodies, a victory through the efforts of the people of Christ, if we were to rise up together to abolish it. The task is placed before us. I am grateful for your attention. That's an excerpt from Radio Theater's audio production called Amazing Grace. Paul, let me ask you this. What importance does the story of John Newton have for us today? Well, I think it's it's first the most timeless thing, which of course is redemption. That whatever our circumstance, whatever our condition, whatever situation we got ourselves into, and whatever we may have staunchly believed, that God's grace can penetrate anything mm. and does as we yes. allow it. And so whether it is a dramatic conversion or the slow steps of like a C.S. Lewis, you know, the slow steps of someone, um, however it gets there, that number one is meaningful uh, to us. It's a message for us now. It's one that we desperately need, especially in light of, of where we are, are as a culture, have been, but are. Um, the emphasis on the physicality, I was thinking again, that we can become so entrenched in where we are now. And I think COVID, for example, has done that to us, mm-hmm. that you have people who've dispensed with the idea of an afterlife. And if they think that this life is all there is, there's a, almost an overreaction to, um, to life. And of course, we as Christians value life. 
but not at the exclusion of that we're also living for a life after this one. God mm. calls us to mm. life within this life towards the afterlife. He's calling us to many things. And John Newton responded to that call in his time at great personal sacrifice, because we can become entrenched in what makes us money. We can, can become entrenched in our cultural ideas. And um, God calls us out of those to, mm. to transform the culture, not to become the culture. And John Newton accepted that. John Newton, who was, as like the Apostle Paul might say, I'm the worst of all the sinners, received that grace and then took that and moved into his world and influenced it in many, many ways through his his work as a pastor, evangelism, through his writings and his preaching. It was, um, I, I think that's where we are now. We are all called to our times like he was, and we are called to our times to respond to them as God calls us to do things and to respond even recklessly uh, to reach people around us. Mm, that's great. And later on this week, we'll have you talk about William Wilberforce and also uh, Equiano, the slave who was freed and actually became a Christian as well. Uh, Paul McCusker, thank you very much for sharing with us here on Haven today. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be with you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost But now I'm found Was blind But now I see T'was grace that taught my heart To fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first
Chris Tomlin and the Wilberforce Choir with Amazing Grace. This is Haven Today and a program called Grace Unshackled. Well, and a special thanks to Paul McCusker for being with me here on the program. He'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to talk about William Wilberforce on that program. Just before we go, I want to encourage you to pray about partnering with Haven Today to help us keep sharing this great story that's all about Jesus. And for your generous gift to the ministry, I want to send you the radio theater audio drama that you just heard called Amazing Grace. Better than an audiobook, Amazing Grace is like a movie that plays on the biggest screen of all, your imagination. And as you just heard, this radio drama tells the stories of William Wilberforce, John Newton, and Aluda Equiano, three men instrumental in overthrowing the slave trade who all loved Jesus. As you listen, you'll better understand how the grace of the Lord can transform lives and the culture around them. So our number you can call right now is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website. Listen to a sample from this five-hour-long radio drama and make your gift there. Our web address is haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we get to share the great story. It's all about freedom in Jesus Christ here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Valentine's Day is here again. But on this day, when we celebrate romance and relationships, we should remember the most moving love story ever told. It isn't some epic poem or a famous movie. It's the undeserved love God showed to sinners like us. Jesus came to earth to save sinful men and women, and not just Jewish people either. The prophet Isaiah wrote this prophecy thousands of years ago. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. A savior for both Jew and Gentile and the ends of the earth. Who would have thought? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let Anchor Devotional encourage you in your walk with Jesus through daily time in God's word. Get started today at getanchor.com.